Welcome to Witch City Witches, a podcast from Salem, Massachusetts, exploring the practice of witchcraft. We explore witchcraft through many different lenses, including personal practices, tarot, astrology, ritual, and so much more. I'm Anna. And I'm Becca. And uh, this is our first episode recording since the pandemic started. Becca, our last episode was recorded in early March with our friend Kate, and we talked about Sacred Song and oh, what were we talking about? Weather and winter and spring, and then and then COVID-19 happened. And then we're all trapped in our houses. <laughs> yeah, and so obviously we've taken a little bit of, the, of a break from the podcast, uh, you know, at first because we were just all trying to figure out what was going on, and then trying to figure out sort of the technology part of recording from different places. This is the first time that we're recording in separate homes. Yeah, so uh, let's let's see how this, this works. Um, we usually do this sitting in a room together, talking to each other over a microphone, and now we are sitting in different rooms on different sides of Salem, talking to each other over Zoom. So uh, hopefully right. this all works out. And um... Well, I mean, it's definitely very reflective of the interactions that everyone's having right now in general. So I guess there's that. Yeah, um... I, I mean, the... Not to start off on a morbid note, but the the worst Zoom call I've been on since all of this was actually a memorial service that um, that I went to for a friend. So we're doing all sorts of things that would normally be in person online. And that leads into, you know, we're going to talk about, you know, witchcraft in isolation. But I know like a lot of people who have very active covens are doing a lot of coven circles and stuff like that online as well. Just so. Right. So today's episode, there were sort of two things we wanted to talk about. And the first was obviously the idea of witchcraft in quarantine and isolation and what that practice looks like. And also some of the concerns we've been hearing from people. And then today is actually the day after Beltane. So we'd like to talk a little bit about Beltane and maybe get back into the swing of some conversations about witchcraft. Um, but so, you know, obviously we've taken a little bit of a break from the podcast, but we wanted to still be able to communicate with all of you out there. So we hosted what we called the witching hour. It was a live on zoom where people could ask questions and I'm going to be honest, I've lost all sense of time. So I don't remember exactly when that was, I think it was around April 12th, but, um, you know, the, the thing that we heard the most from everyone is people were feeling bad because their personal witchcraft practice has lapsed and they feel like they're not being as dedicated as they were and their their practices sort of falling to the wayside and one thing that is you know is really important to me to communicate at the time of the live and again in this episode is the idea that what we are all going through right now is a massive collective global trauma and that we cannot underestimate the impact of that but also you need to be gentle with yourselves because you can't expect that your practice is going to look the same now as it did before all this started um, if everyone sort of takes the time to recognize that this is trauma for all of us uh, you know i actually saw something earlier today that said that we shouldn't really say that we're all in the same boat we're in the, the same storm but yeah. we're all in different bows because our circumstances are very different. Uh, you know, some of us, I'm not, but some are essential employees and still having to go to work. Uh, others of us have lost, you know, jobs and a lot of income. And, you know, I own a small business, a small retail shop, which is currently closed. It's been closed for what, six weeks now. And who knows when it'll be reopened. And, you know, some of us are still able to work from home. So I think the issues of privilege right now are very, very visible, but, that's to say that no matter sort of how, you know, air quotes easy this is for you in terms of uh, resources, this is still very, very traumatic. And so it's okay to be gentle and understand that you're not going to be able to have the same energy output that you would in a different circumstance. Yeah, I definitely agree with that. I've, I've seen that quote as well. And, you know, I, you know, we both own small businesses, I do web development, and you think, oh, well, that that's a business that can keep going um, during the shutdown, except, you know, I have clients who are also small businesses. And, you know, there's, there's the circle of life, there's the circle of money. And uh, my clients are like, well, I can't really afford to pay you right now, because no one's paying me. So there's kind of like this, like, 
you know, this drop off. Um, and so it's hard. It's hard to know like what's going to happen. And it's, I think that's, you know, um, it's hard to know. It's hard to keep up a spiritual practice in the same way that you have done before, or I'll say personally in the same way I have done before when I don't know what's going to happen. Like, you know, like, how will I be paying my mortgage? Can't go to the grocery store. Will anyone even deliver? Like, there's a whole lot of, like, really basic life things that I didn't think about because they just worked before, and now they're not. And so trying to maintain a spiritual practice on top of that, um, it's difficult. And um, as you know, Anna, I took a nap before this re-recorded today because I've just been exhausted all the time. And I think that's very normal. Yeah, I, I think that everyone is experiencing a level of exhaustion that's unprecedented. And we all need to understand, you know, it's interesting because I've had a lot of conversations and I think that this does tie into, you know, magical practice and witchcraft, the idea of people who have been through trauma before in some ways are having an easier time than people who haven't because for people who live with anxiety disorders and uh, who live with trauma people who live with ptsd like myself you, you're used to a baseline of anxiety that's always happening and so you know not for everyone who you know has this background but for some of us it's been it feels almost familiar in a way mm -hmm. It's also, I think it's validating to say for other people to suddenly realize what it's like. Right. Absolutely. <laughs> to be like, yes, this is how it feels like, you know. But um, yeah, so I, I think that the question of what does a spiritual practice look like in a time like this um, has to do with really what is the goal of your practice always, right? One of the questions that we had gotten when we did a, an early you know, request for, for audience questions was one that we heard over and over is how do I stay accountable in my own practice? And one of the things that I talked about is understanding, well, why are you doing the things that you're doing? And if you're doing them out of a sense of this is how witchcraft should be practiced because I read it in a book, accountability is going to be very, very difficult because it's not coming from a place of sort of genuine motivation. And so, you know, when you sort of distill, why am I practicing? Am I practicing for uh, personal empowerment? Is it to connect more with the elements? Is it to connect more with specific deities? Uh, is it because you want to be more in tune with the earth? You know, whatever the core reason for your practice is, that's going to be what informs what your practice is now. Your spirituality, right, should be where you turn to for help and support and comfort. And so I think that what practices should focus on right now is specifically that. So, you know, this is the time to do things like, uh, you know, protection magic and, you know, healing magic and, you know, those things that are very much focused on sort of protection and well-being and self-care, uh, you know, for those of us who might have a more devotional approach you know, it's okay to ask your, your, your deities that you work with and, you know, however you interact with spirit, it's okay to ask for support. Yeah, and I think one of the things that came up um, in that live that we did is that, you know, you can use your magic practices to enhance mundane things that you're already doing. One of the things that I really like the idea of is, you know, we're all wearing masks now if we go out of the house. And, you know, you can put protection sigils on those masks to spiritually help that physical barrier to get a, a spiritual barrier as well. And because there's a lot of things that, you know, we've talked a lot about in the past about a lot of magic relies on practical things. Like if you want to be an actress, you don't just make a spell to be an actor. You have to move to L.A. or New York. And so, right. you know, when you're going out of the house, you don't want to just like paint protection sigils on yourself. Um, you do want to have the physical barrier of a mask or, you know, whatever you can do in that. Here in Massachusetts, it's becoming, you know, uh, illegal to be in public without a mask. Um, I'm yeah. sure that's in other places as well. But, you know, adding magical things to that, to put sigils on them, to you know, ask your deities to bless these items that you're using to protect yourself, to, to like, you know, to make them spiritual armor as well as physical armor. 
um, is a good way to incorporate. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and there are other ways, of course, to you know keep doing things like that too. It's funny after all this started, I did a trade with our friend Kate Laurel. Um, she put together an herbal tincture for me to help anxiety. And I treated her doing a bunch of, you know, shipping labels for her business on my <laughs> label printer. I mean, that has actually been one of the, the beautiful things about this whole situation. You know, one of the things that we've talked a lot about is uh, what community looks like in Salem and how it's often been sort of more fractured than we would hope. But, you know, you and I are in the same online discussion group mm -hmm. of Salem witches who have come together to try and help each other, right? People who are, you know, running to the groceries and picking up supplies for people and trying to collectively cut down on the number of us that are going out right. to the public at once. And so it's really nice to, to see that happening. <laughs> yeah. And in fact, through that group, you know, I've met other witches in Salem that I normally wouldn't have. And I have, you know, I've sewn a small number of masks and I have provided them to people in the community that I wouldn't have met other than this group that was coming together to, to help each other, kind of a mutual aid group. And I think that that is, um, it's very useful. So there is connections being made and connections being maintained. And um, although I really you know, I'm hoping that this ends sooner rather than later and you can get, um, we can start meeting in person again, but you know, the world is what the world is. <laughs> and so, yeah, I, uh, you know, I've been thinking a lot about all this, of course, as we all have. And one of the things that we talked about last, you know, during the, the live conversation as well was, you know, what can we do sort of to try and help collectively from a magical perspective? And, you know, I, I have to say that I can't help but feel like this is sort of a big wake-up call from this planet that we're on, you know, from Mother Earth. Uh, it's astounding to notice the way that nature has started to you know, sort of reclaim space and how much cleaner the air is and how much cleaner the water is. And, you know, that's one thing that is a positive of the situation it's a horrible situation but it's a time where we as humans can look at you know what what would it look like if humans really took a step back mm -hmm. and, and as witches i think that it is one of our main responsibilities to acknowledge that and to look at the ways that we've been living our lives and say you know what when this goes back to you know air quotes normal we we all already know that things can't go back to the way that they were and so as we help shape what the future is going to look like, what are the decisions that we can personally make about that? You know, one of the things that I've been hearing a lot is, you know, let's please support small businesses because otherwise small businesses won't survive this, right? We sort of get to vote with our wallets in terms of what we want that new world to look like. And I, that expands beyond just that. We get to decide what sort of world we're going to remake in every aspect. So. I, I think that we should all be asking ourselves, what does that mean for me as a witch? You know, what is my responsibility to this planet and how can I participate in that? Yeah, I think, you know, you mentioned the small business and, you know, making things better on a spiritual level. And I'm sure you saw that um, the Salem small business you know, was putting out a lot of flyers and stuff. And there was something that they posted maybe two days ago. And it was like, you know, small business, how to get through the coronavirus. And it had nothing to do with business. And it was the most Salem thing I'd ever seen because it was like, you should meditate. And have you tried taking a cleansing bath? And <laughs> do yoga and, you know, step away from your screens. And I think of the last, oh, the last one was just like, you know, start a garden. And it was like, this is the most Salem thing I've ever seen. Like, oh, your business is in trouble. Have you tied a ritual bath? Because the, the Small Business Association in Salem thinks ritual bath and Epsom salts is what you need right now. <laughs> so, um, well, I mean, they did sort of run out of money for grants. So there is that. Yeah. But, you know, but that is funny because you said that's the most Salem thing you've seen. Then I'm going to guess that you haven't seen the Instagram account of someone who's been going around wearing sheets as a ghost oh, no, and reclaiming that, yes. Salem because that's amazing. Yes. And also it totally counts as a face mask if it's draped over your entire body. <laughs> so it's I'm honestly uh, very much liking this aesthetic. Yeah, I saw the I, I just saw the one post that was going around of 
uh, on the steps of the library that says, you know, like, you know, the ghosts are back out in the streets of Salem. Nature is returning. And I was like, yes, that's, you know, there are reasons that we choose to live here. It's um, true. But yeah. so one of the things that we had talked about uh, again in the live was an experience that I heard about from one of my shamanism teachers. And I think it was from Nan Moss, but I'm not positive. So don't quote me on that. But it was, uh, you know, a shamanism teacher who was at a retreat center somewhere, pretty sure on the West Coast. And there was a, you know, raging wildfire as tends to happen over there uh, near where they were. And, you know, they remembered sort of going out and being able to look down on the fire from a distance from where they were and just wondering, like, what do we even do in the face of something this massive and you know something that she's always she had always reminded us is this idea of the elementals you know when they rage when they do their thing they are so much bigger they, than us and they sometimes sort of forget the tininess of humanity mm-hmm. and so they went into a shamanic state and asked you know what do you want and the fire basically said you know i'm hungry i need to be fed and so they actually started going out and putting out offerings of like mm-hmm. alcohol and food and just feeding it all to the fire and eventually the fire started to die down it's a very common and... thing in um i know like in hawaii that when like the the volcanoes are threatening like feeding the the fire gods is very common as well yeah, but so it's this general idea, you know, ever since I heard about that, whenever we're about to get, you know, a really bad storm of some kind, I, you know, I go out and I make an offering to the elementals and I ask them to remember, you know, we're small and I know that you have to do what you're going to do, but maybe do it, you know, higher up so that it doesn't hit, you know, where we are or maybe do it further out to sea. And I just try and sort of give of myself and ask that in return. And so I just find myself looking at the situation and feeling like there is some energetic hunger that's going around the world right Mm -hmm. now. And what can we do to help feed that? And I think that if everyone can start, you know, putting out offerings and doing energy work, for those of you who are Reiki practitioners, you know, putting Reiki out there for the planet and helping us start to maybe fill in some of that energetic void. I think that that's a thing that we can all do. And I think that that's a way to also give structure to your practice right now in this time when, you know, we're all sort of a little aimless, you know, I mean, yesterday was Beltane, right? And Beltane is a fire festival. And if times were different, I would have invited a bunch of witches over and we would have built a fire and we would have danced around the fire and jumped over the fire to, you know, release the old into the flames. And of course, we didn't do any of that. And, you know, realistically, I think that if we look back at the other generations of witches before us, they wouldn't be stopping in the middle of a crisis to celebrate a festival. They would be figuring out how to help in the crisis. Right. And so that's, you know, so that's a way to maybe start to reframe our practice. It's not like how to continue practicing within a time of crisis. It's how does your practice evolve to be helpful in a time of crisis? Right. And I mean, they're like all over the world. There are religious festivals that are shutting down. Don't come to Mecca because, you know, everyone's infected. So there's it's not just, you know, on our small level. It's, you know, giant world religions are also the, like, you know, shutting down churches, shutting down, you know, mosques to to try to keep people away from each other and try to slow the spread. So I think that that's, you know, it's kind of a worldwide thing that celebrating the festival, which seemed like such a big thing, and it seemed this is what the whole year revolves around. It's like, well, actually, there's there's something more important happening right now. I think, you, you know, know, that's the interesting yeah. thing. Oh, sorry, the interesting thing yeah. about um, Halloween in Salem this year, Samhain, right? So yeah. the interesting thing is that going into this year everyone was talking about how this is going to be the busiest halloween season ever because halloween is going to fall on a saturday and it's a full moon and it's daylight saving so everyone gets an extra hour and so this was supposed to be a year of unprecedented turnout for the pagan well new year at least for Mm -hmm. some pagans you know i celebrate new year on Samhain, and now we are looking at the you know, basically cancellation of all that. We have no idea what October is going to look like. Right. And it was supposed to be such a huge deal, right? A full moon on Samhain. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think, I mean, one thing I will say, my feeling of hope coming from this is that from last year, looking at astrologically, I'd been saying like, you know, this is going to be a tough year. We started off in January with the um, the conjunction between 
Pluto and Saturn. We are right now in a conjunction between Jupiter and Pluto, and we're ending the year in December with a conjunction between Jupiter, uh, Jupiter and Saturn. I hope I got those all right. I don't have my notes in front of me, but so we have these are very these are outer planets. They move very slowly. Jupiter and Saturn. It's called the Great Conjunction. It happens every twenty years. Pluto moves in an oblong, much much less circular than the other planets. So. Its conjunctions are kind of like sometimes it takes 20 years and sometimes it takes like 36 years to come back around. It's because it's on such a weird orbit. But these conjunctions happening all in one year, I'm not even sure like when in history this has ever happened that they all happen in one year. But like the, the Pluto and Saturn conjunction that we started off with, this is like this revolutionary energy. This is energy that like, you know, the last time it happened in Capricorn was the American Revolution. And, you know, so like there's this whole, it's destroying of old things. Whereas the um, Jupiter and Saturn, which is happening in December is, you know, that is usually a herald of new things beginning. It's thought that that could have been the star of the Magi that, you know, from uh, Jesus's birth story. So like, you know, it's like very much a herald of, of new things. Whether you think that that was a good thing or not is kind of immaterial. <laughs> but it's, you know, there's these big cycles that are restarting with these conjunctions. And I remember at a Christmas party telling a friend of mine that, you know, with all these conjunctions, if there's anything left to burn this year, it's going to burn. And I've I was thinking that it was going to be very much politics based with the elections and with the, well, you know, but it all is, this happening. Isn't it? Yeah. yeah. But I, 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 was mean, not, you know, I was not expecting a plague. <laughs> right. I, I know. I keep seeing that. I'm sure everyone's seen this. This thing that gets shared around that there was an Egyptian tomb that we opened last year. And we were like, well, what's the worst thing that could happen? And I feel like I just saw something where like six new sarcophagi were found. And everyone's like, don't it open just it. Said, it's wrong Please year. Put... <laughs> wrong year. Yeah. Put it back. Put it back. Yeah. 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 So there's there's a lot of stuff. But I think that, you know, so I think that that is like hopeful for me that this whole... 2020 is just a lot of astrological crazy shit happening. But it it's it should wrap up by the end of the year. So I'm hoping that we you know people are saying like, oh, it'll be like 18 months, 24 months before we have a vaccine before this is over. Um, you know, we don't necessarily need a vaccine if we have some other sort of cure um, in the meantime. And I think that I'm hopeful that looking at the astro astrology that that will happen by the end of this year and not have to wait another year past that. Mm -hmm. I mean, I think even beyond, you know, the hoping that the vaccine, I think that if we as, as humans collectively learn how to take responsibility for what we're doing and stop socializing, <laughs> wear masks, <laughs> Yeah, you know, like understand that every decision that we're making has a consequence. This actually reminds me, it's funny that, so, you know, so many past episodes are sort of coming back and making sense in new ways you know but we had a conversation with cheryl refuse uh, mm -hmm. uh you know about plant magic but she talked about the acronym of which uh, as being you know woman in total control of herself you know gender mm -hmm. uh, gender aside but you know, cheryl talked about how to her that means understanding that everything that we do has a consequence and that you know that's what being control means it's like you can choose to do the thing but you should be choosing to do it and be ready to deal with what you're setting into motion whether it be positive or negative. But, you know, this is a, a moment where we can all decide to take as much responsibility for ourselves as we can. This is an opportunity to be that person in total control of themselves. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And it's just, yeah, it's hard to know like what, you know, how much to do or what to not do. Um, you know, is it fair to not go to the grocery store and pay for someone else to deliver the food to me? Um, put, you know, how much do it, of an extra tip do I need to give because someone else is endangering themselves by doing my shopping for me? You know, it's, there's a lot of those sort of issues, but I think, you know, one of the things yesterday, you know, yesterday was Beltane, and it's also, you know, May 1st, International Workers' Day. And, you know, there was a big strike of Whole Foods and Target and Instacart. And 
I think Walmart as well, um, of workers wanting better protection. And one of the things that the Whole Foods workers were asking for was delivery only. Like, just they'll do your shopping for you. Just stay the fuck out of the store <laughs> because it's people coming right? in that are that are dangerous. You know, my husband actually used to work at a Whole Foods and he stopped working there before this all started. But since that time, the store that he worked in, one of the employees has died. There, the, There's a Walmart in Worcester that the state has just shut down because like 50 some employees have been tested positive. And mm -hmm. so like, you know, there's the, the, the workers are in real danger. And so, you know, but on the yeah, other I mean, hand, yeah, you know, we all need food. <laughs> That's so. Yeah, I mean, one of the things that we haven't talked about is we sort of forget, you know, we're in Massachusetts, right? We're in the greater Boston area. We're in one of the hardest hit zones in the country. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, I, I am yeah. very thankful every day that we're not in New York. And my heart goes out to everyone who's there. You know, I, um, I've had three friends contract and recover from COVID in New York so far. Mm -hmm. Thankfully, they've all recovered. But, yeah, I'm just, I'm glad that at least that's not where we are. Yeah, and, you know, so Salem isn't that bad from what I've been saying, but, you know, Lynn, which is, you know, right next door, which is where Lauren, who we've had on the show before, where she lives, that's, like, one of the hardest hit cities in the state. Um, and Chelsea is also very hard hit, which is just north of Boston. And I think that it's not surprising anyone that it is... Um, hitting communities of color and poor communities much That's harder. That's what I was going to say. And it's because these are communities that, one, it's where we dump our trash. Um, it's where the factories are that spew chemicals into the air that make people already have lowered immune systems and have decreased health. And it's also where the people who are, like, the essential employees work, uh, the, where they live, mm -hmm. you know? So... And beyond that, you know, one of the things that happened in Salem in 2017, I think it was, we were voting on the Sanctuary City Ordinance in Salem. And one of the things that we voted in favor is the idea that you don't have to provide proof of immigration status to receive essential services. And that includes medical care. Mm -hmm. And one of the discussions that was had back then in, you know, in favor of the ordinance was the idea of people need to feel safe going to the doctor when they need need help. They need to feel safe, you know, reporting issues to, to law enforcement if they need to. And, you know, now we're in a crisis where people need to be able to seek medical attention. And when you're looking at communities where there are, uh, you know, higher number of folks with different types of documentation or lack thereof, like those communities are going to be less likely to seek medical help. Right. And yeah. they're going to struggle to be able to isolate because, you know, they are still working and it's, yeah, it's definitely throwing, you know, the severity of inequities right into a very sharp. Well, I mean, the, the ability to contrast. isolate is a, pri is a privilege. And I think that, right. you know, like you and I, we have our houses, we can stay in them. Um, and we have limited number of people that live with us. Like other people don't have that option. Um, even people who live in, you know, apartment buildings, no matter how nice your apartment building is, you still need to take the elevator or the stairs with a whole bunch of other people who may or may not be practicing best practices. Um, so, mm -hmm. you know, the, the, the ability to isolate is a privilege and, um, and that's something that, you know, I've, I, I was on a Zoom call with a friend, like, uh, I was on a birthday party Zoom call, as I said, everything's on Zoom now. She mentioned, like, oh, you know, you're up there in that big house, she's like, oh, not that your house is so big, it's just that I'm in a one-bedroom apartment, and actually she's in a studio apartment, but, you know, it's, I have a house, I have a backyard, I can go out and garden, I wish some people walking on my street would wear a mask when they walked on my street. Because, you know, my yard's not that far, <laughs> my yard's not that big to keep me away from people like on the street. But, you know, I have outdoor space that is my space that I don't have to go to a park. And I think that, you know, I do acknowledge that, like, I have a lot of privilege there. I worry about the fact that, you know, my clients can't pay me anymore and how I'm going to keep paying for this. <laughs> but the fact is that I'm starting out at a much better place, which I think you brought up, you know, earlier about like, you know, same. it's, you know, it's the, it's, you know, it's the same storm. We're not all in the same boat. And, you know, I had a friend, right. you know, a mutual friend of ours in another part of Salem, I think asked both of us, 
you know, I my kid needs to go out in the sun. There's too many crazy people in the parks. They're not wearing masks. I don't trust them. Can I like hang out in your backyard? So, you know, right. it's, you know, things like that as well. It's just like, you know, I do have to oh. acknowledge that no matter. Hold on. Yeah. What? Hold on. You're cutting out. So I'm not sure where we cut off, but I'm having some internet problems. There's one of the technical difficulties with, uh, with our, our new world order. But, you know, I was just saying right. that what you brought up at the beginning of this episode about how, you know, we're all in the same storm, but we're not all in the same boat. I do have to acknowledge that I'm... There's definitely people with much nicer boats than I have. There are also people without any boat at all. And um, and I, you know, I do acknowledge that the I am in a privileged position where I am. But what you're saying about, like, you know, community and stuff like that, just, you know, helping people as much as we can. Like, yes, you know, you can use my backyard for a park that no one else will bother you in so that your kid can stand on the grass for a little while without having to worry about strangers, without masks being too close. But it's also... Yeah, I mean, I'm, you know, yeah. I'm lucky I have a backyard too. And yeah. I had someone come over today with her dog so she could have some space to be in. And, yeah. you know, and she and I could be like 50 feet apart if we needed to. <laughs> yeah. It's also incredibly strange to say, yes, you can come over and hang out in my backyard. I'll stay in my house while you do that. <laughs> so. I oh, know I, I, I talk to her from afar, yeah. but uh, you know, I couldn't be like, come in and use the restroom or right. you know, anything of the sort. About a month ago, um, I went to go see my mom and I was bringing her some yeast and some homemade masks to wear and she was giving me seedlings to put in my garden. You know, it's almost a two-hour drive to get down there, and it was really like going down there trying to figure out, like, okay, make sure you use the bathroom before we leave because we can't use the bathroom at my mom's house. We can't go inside. <laughs> so, you know, right. and, and, like, to, be go to, to, to go to my mom's house and to, like, you know, like, okay, I'm leaving things on the porch for you and then I'm backing all the way up to my car 30 feet away while you bring them into the house and you bring the, put the seedlings out for me and then you back up and, like, you know, like, it was very strange, um, you know, mm -hmm. but, you know, my mom's 84. I'm not, like, I don't think I'm infected. I haven't been in contact with anyone. I don't know how I could be, but I don't know but, that. yeah. Yeah, I don't know that. So, and like I said, my mom's 84, so uh, she's in a, you know, in the, a group that's at higher risk. It's, it's very strange to, to not be able to even, like, if you see someone you know, to not be able to physically approach them. It's very strange. Although I do For think sure. that once, once this starts to loosen up a little bit and we can interact a little bit more, once... You know, once we start going out in public again and interacting, I do think that, you know, not shaking hands and like, you know, working out some sort of bow is I, I've been practicing different bows to see what feels natural and what doesn't look what doesn't look weird. Like just kind of like hand over heart and like a head nod. Does that work? Uh, so um, that's that that's what I've been I hope spending just time thumbs on. up. Thumbs up. Like... <laughs> just thumbs up like, I could, honestly I, could... I have to say so you know being being brazilian right i grew up in brazil and uh expected levels of physical contact with other people there are so much more elevated than here i was thinking about that there you're expected to walk in the room and kiss everyone on each cheek as you go around the room you know and that's a thing that mm -hmm. you don't do here and i have to say as someone who's very introverted that was a part of my culture that i didn't really enjoy and after having lived here for enough years, people just started saying, oh, well, she's lived in the U.S. a while now. It's okay. She's just odd. And I just started sort of refusing to kiss people and just mm -hmm. kind of be like, hey, you know, from a distance. <laughs> uh, and now I'm thinking to myself, you know, in countries that have that kind of culture, you're going to have to have a massive sort of cultural shift within, you know, the norms of how people socially interact. Because here it's just like, okay, well, maybe I won't shake your hand. We'll touch elbows. It's not that big of a difference. Mm -hmm. But in a country where you're used to, you know, putting your face on other people's faces, like on everyone's face that you're coming into contact with, it's a huge, huge shift. Right. But yeah, so we've talked a lot about our personal, like working with within this new paradigm let's talk a little bit about beltane and about what that means and i know that right? we haven't been able to have our parties and we haven't been able to have our fires 
And depending on what your isolation circumstances are, you may not have been able to have like, you know, Beltane sex or whatever the your tradition is with that. I know that a lot of people, the, the sexuality of Beltane uh, is important for a lot of paths, but that's not all that Beltane is about. It's about spring. It's about the beginnings of, you know, whereas, you know, we, all, we talk about in bulk being the very beginnings of spring and the very stirrings. Beltane is like, well, no, we can all see that spring is here, at least, you know, in Massachusetts. I know that personally, my crabapple tree is almost about to bloom and my lilacs have, uh, are getting close as well. It's about spring and it's about hope. And yeah, I mean, that was a really interesting thing for me because I, you know, I'm doing no contact deliveries as part of trying to keep my business going. Mm -hmm. And I, you know, so I was driving around, you know, a very empty town, but all the trees were just covered in flowers. And, you know, it was just this moment of looking and and realizing like, wow, nature doesn't give a fuck. The cycle's going to keep on cycling. And Mm -hmm. you know what? That's great. (laughs) That is great. I'm so glad that, you know, the cycles are still going to cycle. And, you know, one of the things that we've talked about a lot here is the idea of practicing within context, right? And that's one thing that we're talking about right now is how do we practice within the context of, you know, our our current normal. And one of the things that we've also talked about is the idea of how the wheel of the year can be reversed in the Southern Hemisphere. So in the Mm -hmm. uh, Southern Hemisphere, it's Samhain right now. Mm -hmm. And one of the things that's often talked about is that, you know, Samhain is when the veil between the worlds is at its thinnest, but it happens twice in the in the year. You know, it's thinnest at Samhain and at Beltane. And so mm-hmm. it's thinnest on both hemispheres right now. Right. And so, you know, this is a time when, you know, we are in really, really horrible crisis, but it's a time when we can sort of most take advantage of connections to those that came before us and ancestral magic and being able to sort of tap into that. And not just that, but, you know, tap into you know, the spirit realm in terms of the spirit of the land and where you live. And it's a real good opportunity to start to develop a relationship with them and ask for their help. Because if we're not in harmony with this planet, we're not going to get through this. Right. You know, long term, that's not sustainable. And so, you know, now when the veil is thin, uh, now when we are trying to figure out how to continue our practices, like, you know, that's another thing that you can do is start to get in touch with you know, the spirits of the land, the helping spirits that are there and forming a relationship and understanding that, you know, we don't exist apart from nature. We have to be part of it. Right. Yeah. One of the first things that I did last week when we had that one, one nice day and, uh, you know, I went out and I started cleaning up some of my garden beds. And one of the first thing I did was I cleaned up the bed where I have my earth altar to Hecate, where I put food offerings that over the winter, you know, it gets leaves blow in and it like, you know, the rocks that line it kind of get, you know, from frost heave of the dirt kind of things get moved around and shifted around. And so like, you know, that's one of the first things I did was kind of clean out that altar and, you know, make that space to, you know, give offerings back to Mm -hmm. the earth where I do that. And that's very much connecting with the land. And I think that a lot of people are doing that now from necessity of like, again, like a food scarcity of what am I, you know, should I go to the grocery store? Well, you know, starting, if you have the space, starting a garden is a good way to make sure that you have food. And it is also a good way Mm -hmm. to connect yourself to the land and about your practices and how are you sustaining the land and what are you using for fertilizer and how are you growing that? Because, you know, you're really seeing up front, like, this is what I'm feeding the plants and this is what the plants are feeding me. And um, it's a way to get really hands-on. I know here in Salem, they are building a community garden and food forest in the park mm-hmm. near me. It's near Back park? Of, yeah. It's near where the, one of the pot shops is. <laughs> and um, Oh, is that the kind of garden they were putting up there? No, the, the food garden is, it's going to be professionally maintained and they're going to use that food to provide it to the food banks here in town to make sure that oh. local people can eat it. But then they're also planting, they're planting fruit and nut trees that you can just wander in and pick things from. Like, that's what they're for. Good. Is there, you know, they're apple trees, they're peach trees, they're walnut trees that it's just, it's a park that you can wander through and it's edible and 
you know, you can pick things off of it. And this, mm -hmm. you know, this is obviously they're building it right now. This wasn't planned for this particular crisis, but it's definitely, you know, and it won't, the trees won't be bearing fruit this summer, but it's definitely one of those things that can get us back into, you know, eating locally, providing for ourselves and our community rather than enriching giant companies that ship things all over the world to, you know, provide the people that you actually like see face to face because, you know, circle of money of like, well, my business is not great because my client's business isn't great, but that's within a community. That's all it keeps circling within the community. Right. I mean, this, you know, in the, in the past six weeks, I've definitely bartered for um, butter and baking soda and potato pancakes. <laughs> and I, uh, I I now have a sourdough starter. You know, that's sort of become a running joke is that everyone's sort of doing urban, you know, homesteading and all that. And I, mm -hmm. I saw a meme going around saying that sourdough starter is like Tamagoshi for people in their 30s. <laughs> and uh, whoever said that, fuck you, I'm totally in my 30s. But anyway, <laughs> it's honestly... As a witch, it has felt kind of awesome because, I, I mean, you know, sourdough starter is a living fungus colony, really, mm -hmm. and I love fungus for me. As a witch, it's a thing, you know, and mm -hmm. so I'm very excited to have my little, like, fungus colony that I'm, that helps feed me. I have eaten crumpets every day for the last three days. I ate three just today, I will admit it. <laughs> and... You know, that feels amazing. And I know that the sourdough starter that I got is actually from a friend of ours. It's 200 years old. Oh, cool. And, uh, you know, I, I heard that it actually came from the King Arthur Test Kitchen, and a friend of mine was disappointed. And she said, well, you know, I was hoping you were going to tell me it was passed down, you know, lineage of witches on the North Shore. And I said, you know what, not yet, but hopefully <laughs> one day. Yeah. You know, I hope that I can pass this down in many, many years. But, you know, for me, I have my, you know, I have an architecture background. And when I was still working in architecture, one of the things that were being very hotly discussed was the idea of, you know, urban farming and how we utilize our green space and the idea that lawns are sort of a waste, mm -hmm. right? And this really is an opportunity for us to lean into that more. And how does that tie back into, you know, witchcraft? I think that everything that we're doing that is helping us help our planet is inherently witchcraft. But beyond that, now, instead of, you know, sourcing your herbs, you have an opportunity to grow them. Mm -hmm. And again, not everyone can do this, but even if you have a small, you know, potted plant in a window, like, and you just grow, you know, your mint there or your sage there, that's still something. Right. And, you know, I'd actually be curious to ask Cheryl what her thoughts are on all this these days. Yeah, I know that she was putting together a potted garden um, in her in her backyard. I haven't checked in with her recently about how that's going. But, you know, I, I used to have a sourdough starter and a few months back it died. The jar that it was in uh, cracked in my fridge and it all dried out and died. I'm not Aww. sure exactly. I'm not sure how that happened, but it happened. But I am making Well, I my... have sort of an obscene amount now if you need some. I have a lot. Okay, okay. I need to um <laughs> I, I need to find a source for flour first. Um so uh Fair. Although I, I did see that A and J King, one of the bakers in town, is selling off their flour stock, so I might buy some of theirs. Oh. Um they have just like all purpose I think they're selling. But uh I, I might I might put in well, an order. Well that's what I'm using. I'm just using yeah. all purpose. I might put an wait, order. Wait, hadn't you bought like ten pounds of flour? No, I, I, no, I bought three pounds of yeast. So I have yeast. If you want oh. to not make sourdough bread and you want to make yeast bread, I can definitely, I've been selling off like it by the ounce for like a dollar to people if, but if you, you can, you can have some, if you want some. Um, and you know, also Salem <laughs> witches, if you're listening to this podcast and think, oh my God, I need yeast. I haven't been able to find, seriously, like send me a message on, uh, Instagram or through the website. And I can definitely leave some yeast on my porch for you to pick up. As far as uh, sourdough starter, um, I am trading folks um, sourdough starter for a donation to Unity Farm Sanctuary, which is a friend of mine's farm animal sanctuary. They are 100% volunteer run and donation based, and they care for a lot of animals. And so I'm just asking yeah. for a donation in whatever amount you feel comfortable. I just ask for, you know, a proof of the receipt. I don't care if it's $5. Some folks have donated 5 some have donated 15 some have donated 50 But I just want to, you know, that's a way that I can try and help out a little bit. Yeah, so 
I have been making my own yogurt. That's my that's my new quarantine thing is that I've been making my own yogurt, which is kind of fun and not as hard as it seems. And uh, See, that sounds really witchy to me too. <laughs> and and I've for for a while now I've been making my own uh, kombucha. So um, although the last batch I let it go far too long that it sat in its fermenting tank. So I now have a whole bunch of kombucha vinegar that I am turning into fire cider. So yeah, it's nice. It's, you know, I've, I've, those, those are my fermentation things. I think fermentation, it seems like fermentation is a a big thing that's happening. And I think uh, thinking about that, it's not just like, oh, well, it's a thing that you can try and it's kind of fun to do, but it's like, it's a way of preserving food. And right. I think that, you know, it's like you said, it's a 200 year old starter they're using. It's a way of like, you know, passing things down. It's like this lineage, but it's also just a way to keep things from going bad. It's a way of, you know, cheese exists so that milk won't go bad. Yogurt, that's, you know, yogurt and cheese exists to, to do that. And it's a way to, to keep life going forward. Mm-hmm. And I think that that's yeah. like symbolically very good. Yeah, one of the things that we've talked about is that idea of, you know, how to connect your practice to your everyday life and trying to not see them as completely separate things. They are intrinsically connected. Uh, You know, everything is uh, profane and everything's mundane and everything is sacred all at once. And I think that with all these calls to sort of practice more urban farming and to practice more homesteading, I cannot help but see all that as inherently witchier because we are f- being forced to communicate with our planet in the way that we've distanced ourselves from for so long. Mm-hmm. And it's forcing us to pay attention to life cycles and those things that, you know, like a sourdough starter will die if you don't take care of it. Fermentation mm-hmm. process has a process. Growing vegetables has a process. And so it's really allowing us to to reconnect and that can be really, really powerful. And so I do think that it's interesting that this is hitting at Beltane, right? Mm-hmm. So we, we, we sort of started talking about Beltane and then kind of went back on a tangent, which I think is okay, right? Because this is the context of what we're living, right? We, I think it would be very strange to be doing this podcast and just talking about witchcraft and pretending that nothing was happening in the world. But, you know, you mentioned the idea of ritual sex, but why do people have ritual sex on Beltane? And I guess it's also interesting to talk about this now since we did have an episode on love and sex magic. But, you know, the sex at Beltane isn't, you know, just for the fun of it. I mean, the fun of it is part of the fun, obviously, Mm -hmm. but it's because Beltane is about fertility, right? Right. Spring happens because of fertilization Mm -hmm. in nature, right? Flowers come from that. Fruits and vegetables, you know, like the gifts of the earth come from fertilization. And so when humans engage in ritual sex at Beltane, it's a replication of that. And when we look at the myth of the wheel of the year, right, this is when the god and the goddess consummate their relationship and the goddess becomes pregnant. And it's a reenacting of that. And so, you know, we're sort of being forced into, into a situation where we can really connect with that sort of fertility cycle of the planet. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, I think that it's it's worth it for people who want to continue their practice and find ways to deepen their practice. Like this is really a time to realize that your witchcraft practice is not a thing that exists separate from the rest of your life, right? Mm-hmm. It is part of your witchcraft practice to, uh, you know, take care of your sourdough or plant the thing or make the thing right to really be involved in the things that are giving you sustenance one thing that we haven't talked about yet is the idea of food and how food plays into witchcraft but we need to understand that ultimately it's all about energy exchange right we're consuming something and it turns into energy for our bodies and so being mindful of the things that we ingest and bring into our bodies is really important but also if we have an opportunity now to be more connected to the process of feeding ourselves you know like there's just ways there to kind of deepen your your spiritual practice on all sorts of levels right yeah i think you know a a lot of what this is kind of forcing us to strip back and say you know what is important what can i live without can i not live without and you know i think 
one of the things, you know, not witchcraft related, but I saw pretty early on in all of this, you know, one of the first things before they started shutting down retail stores, they said, you know, if you can work from home, you should work from home. And all of these offices suddenly emptied out and disability advocates were like, oh, so now you can figure out how to work from home because, you know, right? people who have, you know, mobility issues um, who hadn't been able to work in offices who had been saying like, you know, why can't I just work from home? I work at a computer and offices would say, oh no, we all have to work together. This is just how we do it. We can't make that accommodation for you. Well, mm -hmm. now that like the accommodation has to get made on a larger scale, oh, well now suddenly it can be done. So I'm really hoping that people will car carry forward some of the lessons learned and say like, you know, this isn't actually such a big deal. We can work in this manner. We can have a lot more people working from home. It's better for the environment to not have all these cars on the right? street. It's better for people's home life to like not have to do that commute. They can be, you know, they can be home for kids if they need to. You know, there's there's just a lot of there's a lot of things like that that you know they're like these lessons that we're learning. Um, and some of them is just like, you know, you're talking about like, you know, you're making the sourdough bread and I've been making other breads and making yogurts. It's like, well, do you actually like doing these things? Or like, you know, is this something that you do want to carry forward? Or is this just a time to experiment with the different things that you're doing? And you don't have to love everything that you're experimenting with right now. You don't mm -hmm. like, you know, maybe like you think, oh, well, you know that you're right. That's the best way to be a, uh, a witch and to connect with my spirituality. I'm going to make all my own food and I'm going to start a garden. And I'm going to do maybe you're just maybe you don't like that. Maybe you're not good at it. Maybe you are good at it, but it doesn't to use right. the lingo. Maybe yeah, it, it does not spark joy, you know, like you don't have to love everything that we're trying. <laughs> Yeah, you don't have to, yeah, these, yeah, this is definitely not in the same way that we say don't take anything that you read in a book as mandatory for your witchcraft practice. You know, this is definitely not saying that you have to be doing these things to be a witch. This is how, you know, we are choosing to sort of interpret that. But, you know, there are people who are leaning into witchcraft in this context by having online meditation circles and online rituals and... That's not something I've done yet. You know, I've jumped into doing my tarot study group online. I've been more running tarot workshops online through Zoom, and that is really working for me. Um, I don't know if I can get behind Zoom ritual. Like, that's still not quite clicking for me. I am doing tarot readings, and that works well, but I, I don't know how group dynamic in ritual space works. But it is working for some people. Right. Right. And I think that that's one of the things is that we all have our own gifts and some people work better in certain ways than other people. And so some people work better face to face. Some people work better solitary. You know, I know that we have a lot of listeners that do have a solitary practice. Um, I have a predominantly solitary practice and some of it is just that because group dynamic doesn't work for you and some people need the group dynamic and neither one is the right way it's that we all have our own gifts we all have our own ways of working we all have our own mental processes that are unique to us and it's you know about figuring out what those work what those ways are and i think for a lot of people this time is very hard because they need that interaction and they're being denied that interaction mm -hmm. and that's it's a real stress that they need that to energize themselves and that, that is it's very hard on those people there are other people who don't like that interaction and are like you know this is actually this is actually pretty good with all this even with all this terrible things happening because like no one's asking me to do these things anymore. <laughs> like I don't have to make up excuses not to do these things. I can just not do them because no one's doing them. Mm -hmm. So I think it's really, you know, it's a lot of like confronting how you work and what works well for you. And kind of mm -hmm. in the middle ground is like, well, maybe you thought that you were an isolated type of person, but now that it's always, I know personally, this is what's hitting me is that I think of myself as like, you know, I'm a, kind of a loner and I'm kind of isolated and I usually do things by myself, but not having the option is really hard. And mm -hmm. so I'm, I'm one of those like extroverted introverts that um, I think of myself as introverted, but I do like, you know, 
at least once a month, I like to actually like do things with other people and that's not an option. And so like really confronting what your limits are, I think is part of this process, which is also very Plutonian when I'm talking about all these Pluto conjunctions and stuff like that. Confronting your limits is very much with Pluto and Saturn and stuff like that. So, um, yeah, I don't know. It's a lot to think about and you know? Yeah, one thing that works better for me as opposed to sort of trying to hold ritual space on, like, Zoom is all agreeing, like, we're all going to do this ritual at this time. Mm. And then having the energetic connection and then, you know, check in with the group afterwards, like, how did it go for everyone? But so, you know, we're still practicing together, but without sort of the discomfort of, of the virtual space. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think for some people, the um, the virtual space adds a connection, and for some people, oh, sure. it adds a barrier. And I think that that's, that's a kind of a, a personal thing, and it's a group thing about how how does your group dynamic work. That you know maybe everyone putting everyone's faces up on gallery view and Zoom is you know a great way to build the connection that you're all you all really are doing the same thing at the same time. And for some people, it's just this it was those sirens background for you oh yeah sorry <laughs> going down highland ave but you know for some people having that technology is a real barrier and i know some people don't um don't use technology in ritual at all like even like you know they take watches off before joining ritual um because they've actually depending on what your practice is and what your rituals are technology can be harmed by some energetic practices people say oh like the the watch like you know was a couple of minutes slower after the ritual if i because i left it on so for some people just having technology within a ritual space interrupts the ritual and so yeah, i don't yeah. like it i've you know i've learned to you know leave my cell phone and you know like i haven't worn a watch in years and so like for me that's very much part of my process to sort of being in that moment is to sort of shed all of that distraction, like in the same way that I wouldn't have, you know, random people walking in and out of the circle, I sort of don't want to be pinged energetically on my phone. Like even if I'm not actively paying attention to it, like that buzz in your pocket or just like the energetic bridge of someone trying to reach out like that for me. Right. Is an interference. Right. So I think that, you know, it really depends on what your practice is and what your group practice is, whether, whether that's helpful or unhelpful or neutral um but mm -hmm. i think you know i think one of the things that keeps coming up in this is that there are very few absolutes in witchcraft mm -hmm. practice um i think certain paths have absolutes to them that and you know certain particular bell work like you need to do this in exactly these steps and i think that you know that's completely valid but right, but you still get yeah. to decide if that right. path works for you or not like the right. path says this but you don't have to walk down it right like yeah so i think that you know i think that that's one of the things that keeps getting said in a lot of different ways but there are very few absolutes and it got brought up on a the Hellenic Pagan uh, Facebook group that I'm on that someone was asking about this particular figure if it was a good, if they could use it on their altar to represent Hecate. And it was a, um, it was a figure of the, the comic book character Enchantress who has a moon on her head and she has long dark hair and he had never heard of Enchantress before. He was just given this figure by a friend and he said like this really it seems like hecate to me i want to use it on my altar and there was a mm -hmm. real divide of people saying if it if it feels right to you then do it then that's the right thing to do and then there was like the people who were just like it's plastic it's a comic book character don't put that on a, your altar so and that's completely valid yeah. for them you know but i, I had yeah. this whole thing of you know i'm sure i'm not the only person who especially these days is taking like extra long showers and like pondering a lot. And I was actually mm -hmm. looking at like the, uh, you know, like plastic enclosure basically of my shower and being like, you know, as much as we like to act like plastic is not sacred because it's plastic, it still comes of this earth and it mm -hmm. ultimately is made of like the bones of our ancestors. Right. It's like right. old bones that get, you know, that yeah. sort of liquefy over time and that becomes the oil that then becomes plastic so in a way plastic could not be more of 
this earth. Right. Well, I was just like, if you, if you can't use synthetics, I was like, what is synthetic? Bronze is an alloy of copper and zinc. Is that a synthetic? Is concrete a synthetic? I mean, that's, you know, that's been used for thousands and thousands of years, various recipes for concrete. Mm -hmm. It doesn't just comes out of the earth in a usable form. It has to be created by human hands. So like, what, what is synthetic? And why mm -hmm. is human intervention necessarily making something non-sacred? I mean, that's, we're using it in ceremony. So it has a human intervention already. So I think that paganism in general has this kind of cult of the natural. Yes. And, and I think that whereas I definitely try to be as, you know, reduce waste as much as possible, you know, I compost and I recycle and I try not to buy plastics because they have, you know, the negative whenever possible. Sometimes they are necessary for the life that we live. And I think that there are a lot of like bigger religions don't really have this this issue like you know i was saying like when i was very small and i was still practicing catholicism i had a plastic rosary it was not just plastic it was glow-in-the-dark plastic you know i had a <laughs> plastic rosary too and i never really liked how it felt in my hand but you know yeah. but that's the thing right the whole point is that we want to you know, we, we have that, that cult of the natural because we want to be more connected to the planet. But at the end of the day, if someone has a figurine that's plastic that speaks to them and makes them feel connected to the divine, how is it better for the planet for us to say, no, throw that away and go find right. a more natural one? Because now you've right. put more plastic into the trash. Right. Right. You sort of have yeah. to think these things through. Right. So I think that while the impulse to have as little waste as possible is definitely the the best way to be and to reduce plastic consumption and plastic use because of how polluting it is and how bad for the earth it is i think that we can't just say that. i don't think that there's a hard line that can be drawn because some things you know we talk about like you know one of the biggest plastic users is you know hospitals all the single use things that have to happen just for sterilization purposes um, mm -hmm. And so there's, you know, there's a lot of things that's just like, well, we don't actually have a better way of doing things just yet. So we should, you know, work yeah. towards that. But I don't think that, you know, we have to like step back and say, oh, well, I can't do that because it, you know, yeah. Yeah, I mean, one of the things that, you know, my students eventually get uh, sick of hearing me say over and over is the idea that t discernment is what needs to be at the core of all spiritual practice and witchcraft practice and everything that you do, you have to use discernment. And so it's not about there's blanket rules of yes, do this always or never do this is think about it before you do it mm -hmm. and make a decision about it. Like, and think about it, me throwing this out ultimately going to harm the planet more. Like I can hold on to this thing because it works for me and just think about it, like mm -hmm. make, conscious choices right intention matters a lot we talk a lot about how much intention matters but intention mm -hmm. doesn't just matter when you're sitting down to finally do that spell work you know after you've you know thought of, thought it through and then collected all your tools etc and then you sit down and now you're going to do the spell okay and now you're going to have intention like actually if you have more intentionality in the way that you're carrying yourself in general and all the decisions that you're making even about mundane things like do i throw out this piece of plastic why or why not uh you know that is enhancing your practice as a witch because you know you're acting uh, you know more in control with more discernment with more intention right we're super over time do you want to wrap up i know we're super over time but y'all are just gonna have to like deal for a second because i <laughs> we were t we've been talking about beltane obviously but i don't know if you remember uh, the tarot card that i had pulled up when we were doing uh, the the live was King the of king wands. of wands and king i of wands, yep. yeah and I was thinking about, you know, what does that mean? And the advice that I gave to everyone is that, you know, now is really a time to kind of think about the nature of fire within the context of, you know, the archetype of the king and that tempered fire, that controlled fire that you feed, that you take care of, uh, right? There's that stability, that structure that comes with a throne. And, you know, and then it dawned on me that, you know, the king of fire is coming up during Beltane, during this shutdown. And so we're really being called to understand what our inner fire is about and how we can tend to it, how we can take care of it. Yeah. And, uh, you know, and how that connects to the other things that we're doing. Yeah. And so I, I think that that, that that message of tending to fire is coming up in many ways, not just in Beltane, but it's coming up in tarot, you know? 
Yeah, and I think, you know, when you first showed me that card, my initial uh, impulse towards it was um, about being the torchbearer and being the spark, being the mm -hmm. leader, and having like those new ideas to, to lead us forward to not... You know, the King of Wands isn't someone who um, goes back uh, to do old-style uh, things. He's, a, he's pushed forwards. He's, he thinks of new ways of doing things. And, you know, he's, the, the wand is, in a lot of tarot cards, it's a torch. It's on fire. That's, you know, that, and he's the torchbearer. He's the, you know, he's the highest court card of the, that suit. And you were saying to, to tend the fire... But, you know, to also, you know, to be that, to fire that people can follow. And I think that, you know, if we can all keep that within ourselves, to be the light that um, can lead other people forward. And so that all of our lights together can really bring us into a better yeah. world once, you know, once this is over. You know, one of the questions that I came across in the last week was that idea of, you know, as people who do healing work and, you know, like Reiki healers and Polari and Tarot and all that is, do we keep offering those things when we are not well? And the answer is yes, because the work of healers needs to be done, especially when the world is hurting. You know, mm -hmm. doctors don't get to, you know, call out and say, I'm just not feeling it today, you know, no surgery. And that's true of us too, is that if you have accepted the responsibility of having a healing role, it's your responsibility to do that even now. And it's okay if you're not okay while doing it because part of what you're supposed to be doing as a healer is embracing that hollow bone concept, right? Like you're mm -hmm. supposed to be there as a channel to help someone else and hopefully try and keep your you know, personal shit out of it. And so this is really a time where we are being called to that and where we really get to test that for ourselves. You know, these mm -hmm. commitments that we made, can we honor them? And if we can't, then that's okay. But you should be honest with yourself of, you know, I am not able to be a healer and that's okay. Not right. everyone is. Right, yeah. So I think uh, we've talked a lot to about today. I think we're trying to catch up for last time a little bit. Now that we've figured out some of our technical issues, we will be back to our regular schedule. One of the things that I guess we would like to know is given that, you know, the situation that we're all in, our goal here is to be, you know, helping people along their, you know, witchcraft and occult and metaphysical path. And so how can we help you with that? Uh, of course, you know, send us an email as always at askawitch at witchcitywitches.com. You can follow us on Instagram at witchcitywitches. Uh, Becca and I are both still offering tarot readings and our rates are currently reduced because we're hoping to be more accessible to folks who are in a time of need right now. And you can also find that information on our website, which is witchcitywitches.com. And I just also wanted to say is that if you're really struggling out there, please do reach out. Don't feel alone. Yeah. Yeah, there's definitely, I think that, you know, mental health issues are kind of right up there with physical health issues with impacts from this virus. So definitely reach out. Yeah, send us a note. We will get back to you. All right. Well, thanks so much, everyone. Thanks.